I'm I'm drinking this, FYI. Oh, it's fine. It's a podcast. Anything goes on this podcast. I love that. Yeah, actually, I should probably have one too. Um, assistant, you can you one. please get me one? No. <laughs> your assistant. Actually, we got some water right here. Actually, we'll make it through. Look at that. Big jug of water. Oh, that's good. Yeah, we'll make it work. Okay, good. Um, okay. Um, so how was the Christmas tree? It was good. I've never had a real Christmas tree before. So, wait, there's this like green check mark by my name. Do I need to click that? Nope, no, we're good. Oh, okay. We're, um, we're solid. So I've never had a real Christmas tree. And um, so we went and I like, cut it down and did the whole spiel. You so cut it, it down. You actually like chopping it down. No, I didn't do any of it. Somebody oh. else did it for me. <laughs> and then they put it on the back of like their trailer. And then uh -huh. they drove it to the front. All I did was pay for it with cash. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally it. <laughs> How big was the tree? Uh, I think it was a, um, it may, I think it was seven foot. It's not huge. But our house isn't, I mean, our, like, wall mm -hmm. or our ceilings are, like, that big. So, but, yeah. Hey, no, we got we got start early. The Christmas decoration and everything. I know. I feel like I'm really behind, though. But it's our first Christmas in this house. Uh -huh. So, all of the stuff that you would, like, think everybody has, like, we're starting from scratch. So, I'm, like, we're going to have, like, two things. Like, we have three ornaments total. <laughs> hey, that's not bad. Oh, uh, I we might be able to send you something, maybe like a spill the tree ornament, you know? Kind of oh, like that would be awesome. Yeah, if you have them, definitely. Go for it. We would have to make one just for you. <laughs> that means it's even more special. Yeah. Uh, Whitney, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. This is really Dude, cool. I've been, we've been waiting for this moment uh, ever since our Utah trip, to be honest. Really? Yeah, that's because that's, that's where we met and... First of all, guys, welcome to the podcast. If you're new to the podcast, make sure you subscribe. You already know the drill. You already know we're the number one trillion podcast, <clears throat> scientifically speaking. Um, and we have an amazing guest, Whitney. So one of the things that I want to share with you in is our trip back in Utah, which was a what, a month ago? It was, yeah, a month ago now. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's 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 nuts. Um. The whole thing, I, I don't know about you, but I we loved the whole trip itself. Oh, it I, was it was so perfect how all of us were there at the same time too. Cause I didn't know you all were gonna be there mm -hmm. until like I once I flew in, like on the way, not even on the way, because Ed picked me up. So it was like when Boosh took me home, he was like, So this film crew, like they're coming in, they're gonna do all this stuff. I was like, Okay, that's perfect. Like, I don't care. You film know? Crew. <laughs> Yeah, he was like they're gonna come and they're gonna take some stuff of me and stuff and they're gonna stay at the house and i was like all right that's fine like i'm chill i'll be, I'll do whatever you want i was like tell them if they want me to be a part of it then i will if they don't i don't care it doesn't matter to me so it was cool i loved the whole thing and i'd never been to utah before so that was like so perfect a new experience 100 yeah. percent. i never i i was i think i was the one thing i was complaining the most was the um i i couldn't really breathe like it was just oh, that oh really yeah, because it was it was just hard to breathe. Yeah, well, I mean, we're up. We're definitely in the elevation, the higher elevation there. So that's true. I, was, I wasn't used to it. And then during the game, the bathrooms are up, like they're up there. Okay, I was definitely out of breath when I went up to the bathroom. Like I sat to pee and I was like, dang, my uh -huh. heart is like crazy. <laughs> I'm not even halfway through and I'm like, <gasps> Like, oh my God, really? We really made the bathrooms all the way up there? We couldn't make them up to the other mountain? <laughs> like, 
Jesus. <laughs> the food truck's on the side. You think maybe, but no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was debating whether or not this should go behind the bleachers and just well you can do that girls can't do that (laughs) i mean we can but it's way more awkward yeah no and i definitely we had a great time and we had i I kid you not i don't remember what happened the that night oh my god i don't remember i was telling reed i was like so I'm, i'm doing this podcast and I was like, yeah, because I told him this. I told him like, you know, about the whole trip and stuff. I was like, it's the guy. Ooh. It's the Reed, my boyfriend. I was like, it's uh, the guy that we had to come back and get. And he was like, oh, <laughs> I hope he's feeling okay. <laughs> yeah, that guy right there. It was, it was quite honest. I, I said it. I said, you know what? We're in Utah. We're having a great time. Yeah. Anything goes. It was a great time. The whole thing. Like there was not one aspect of it that like wasn't fun. So it yeah. was perfect. Yeah, you were uh, Jeremy and I. Every Vlad, we were like, man, Whitney is the most amazing person. It's, oh my gosh, thank you. I thought you all were... of you guys were so cool too. Like it was awesome that we all. I mean, the random. That's how the universe works, though. Like mm-hmm. it brings you together. It's like the that. energy, right? That whoever oh. you attract to each. If you attract to someone else, and the energy is just so positive. Oh yeah. It's you just click right away. One hundred percent. Yes, that's like what. So for me as a massage therapist now, like I will come home and depending on like my clients that day, I'll be either really energized or really like exhausted. And although mm-hmm. I'm doing like physical work the whole time, it, the the worst, not the worst, the, the most, like the part that affects me the most is the energy because people mm-hmm. come in like with their problems and either mm-hmm. they want to talk, sometimes they don't want to talk and it doesn't matter whether, you know, whether you do or don't, but you can just feel energy with the body laying on the table like that. You just like get it and, mm-hmm. and it, it's all on you after that. Mm-hmm. So I totally get that. Yeah. No key. That's you bring up really good points on that. Cause I feel like me now, something that I've learned is when people have so much bad energy or they're complaining and they're around me, the, yeah. the, the, the right, the thing that I do right away is just stop, just stop, please. Yeah. And then, and then I'll leave. Like I'll leave the whatever area it is because it's just it's gonna drain you, and you're gonna have your entire day being bad. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I, I feel like me as a person, I'm the type when this is kind of a negative trait of me, and I, I'm trying to work on it. But when I get upset, like really, really upset, mm-hmm. I tend to let it affect me for like that day. Like honestly, I wish I could nap because if I could just nap, I would probably wake up and feel better. But unfortunately, I can't. So I feel like I carry it with me until the end of the day, <laughs> mm-hmm. unfortunately. No, that's something happened to me early, earlier this week where um, where it's same situation. You know, I sometimes get it, you know, let it affect me for a while, but it's something that helped me. And this was the first time and it actually felt great. Um, one of my friends, coworkers, she was ve- being very annoying, just annoying as hell <laughs> of, of a certain situation that, you know, was personal. And I was like, dude, stop it. You know yes. what? I'm very mad right now. Do not talk to me. And then I, I literally said that. I've never said that. I'm like, I'm very That's mad. I'm proud of me. you. That's really good. <laughs> and they just stopped. They're like, are you mad? You're very mad? It's like, yeah, just yes. stop talking to me. And that's this it. This is my mad place. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, obviously, I don't keep grudges or anything. Like the next day, I was right. fine. Like it's, it's right. just one yeah. of those things where in the moment, you just got to stop talking. You have to. Whatever situation is. Um, and... Yeah, 
don't know where I was going to go with this, but basically. <laughs> like, I run off on taint. Like, I will – sometimes the way I talk, like, with topics and stuff, it's kind of all over the place mm-hmm. because I've got ADHD. So I'm it, a lot of people don't know that about me, but that's one reason. Like, I get really excited about something, and then I just trail off like a, like a squirrel. Like, I see a squirrel, <laughs> and I just trail off, and then that's where I go. And then I try to make my way back, but sometimes it's hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I like that, though, because then you're – that I feel like that means you're genuinely having a great time or you're genuinely yeah having a great conversation. Like I truly live in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have an agenda at all. Like mm-hmm. I just like whenever I talk to people, it's just see where it goes, you know? Mm-hmm. And we, that's why I like, that's why I like our friendship now. Cause when we met at Weaver, um, you had so many good, you know, your conversations, uh, you know, at breakfast, and mm-hmm. th- that's what really got me the most, you know, oh. attention. I really like the way you talk about certain situations, about moments, uh, and the team and I, we were you know, thinking, like, man, this is, like, she really has amazing words. Like, there, oh, she you. needs to be on the podcast. Thank you. And it's a must. Oh, thanks. Well, I've lived through a lot. I mean, a lot of people have. And I don't discredit anybody's experiences. Like your journey is your journey. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, I, I think there are, there are characteristics and like principles and um, habits that you can learn from situations. And those, like whether it's resilience or encouragement or, you know, just any type of growth, like growth is growth. And mm-hmm. so no matter what type of situation, like you're still going to grow from mm-hmm. that, whether it's like the most catastrophic event or something very minor but it can still teach you the same type of growth um and uh so luckily fortunately and unfortunately i have gone through a lot of growth (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know like it's something that when you think about it it's a lot of pain comes from that like you don't just grow because you've had positive experiences and everybody loves you and you haven't had any trials growth and learning all comes from the failures, what people typically would view as a failure. So mm-hmm. for me, that's just something like that I've learned. And um, I can't remember. Oh, so my, my family, well, my mom growing up, she, for everybody who doesn't know my mom, her name is Debbie Love. I guess I should preface with that. And she's like, a I think everyone, I think I everyone know, knows. Know, she's, she's like a world renowned coach in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very thankful that she has been my mother. I think that she is like the best human. And my dad is the best. Um, they've raised six kids and she homeschooled us. My dad worked like growing up like nine to 9 p.m. He's an optometrist, so he's worked all day. And before- Optometrist, what, what is an optometrist? Oh, he's an eye doctor. Oh, eye doctor, yes. Mm-hmm. An eye doctor, essentially. Yep, that's what he does. And so growing up, like he worked- every single day. I mean, on Sundays he would, he had, I think he may have gone in at like 11 or maybe noon until seven, but he worked all day, every single day. So we were just like my mom's little, you know, her little puppies mm-hmm. that just follow her around or her little babies. So she taught us a whole lot about all that, but she, um, like growing up, she taught us about John Wooden. I don't know if you know who John Wooden is, but he is like mm-hmm. the most winningest coach in basketball history. Um, for what team? Got, uh, UCLA. So he mm. was their basketball. I mean, he is like amazing. I totally, I highly suggest and recommend like you reading his books, uh, the building blocks of his pyramid. So like the pyramid uh, to success is what he coined. And um, he's got 
all of these, like, I mean, he is just, I get chills thinking about it. I've read all of his books because when I was in college, uh, well, I've always kind of been like more outspoken as like a teammate and stuff and um, held my teammates accountable and held myself accountable. And that was something bit like really big to me. And then when I got to college, um, my coach at Twist and Shout when I was there, at some points I was not the nicest and I, and I totally take account, like I'm holding myself accountable for that, mm-hmm. but I'm learning, of course, like this whole yeah. time, right? And so, um, one it's a day, process. It's totally process. Process. you know, yeah. you're not going to be whoever you were 10 years or four years, or even like a year ago, you're yeah. it's always different. So right. never... Absolutely. you want, you want to learn, you want to mm-hmm. grow. Uh, because that that's honestly what our life is about. Like what our journey is, is where we start, where we end. And when, when we end, that's all we have. So it's like, what, what can we do with our time in between there? And um, at one point I was on Twist and Shout and Orson Sykes, he is, he and Leroy are like two, Leroy McCullough are two coaches that truly um, changed my perspective of like leading, of cheerleading, of like just living as a human with my faith and everything, as well as my mother, of course. Mm-hmm. But in what way? Um, they just they really taught me how to. Gosh, it's hard to put into words. They taught me how to be like an encourager, essentially. Like as a leader, you think for a long time in Kentucky, growing up, the teams that I was a part of, until like my junior year really um I felt like I had to be the coach of the team and that was I don't know where that really came from I just felt well really it came from Kentucky in Kentucky high schoolers have to choose between well in Lexington specifically they had to choose between all-star cheerleading and high school cheerleading they couldn't do both if they did do both high school cheerleading always came first and me I was all all-star I mean I was homeschooled until I went to college so all-star was all I knew I didn't have the chance to go and do high school um and so I gave I poured everything I had into that and uh, I felt like it was my responsibility to make sure kids were on the team like make sure we had enough people to even compete in you know those years mm-hmm. and it was it was really tough I was essentially recruiting for an all-star club at age six 15 14 that young Oh yeah, just making sure that I had the team members and the teammates that were going to make the most successful team, you know, that mm-hmm. we could have given the situation where a lot of the most talented kids were in high school. And if they were going to do the team, we were going to be second choice most of the time, which is fine. I mean, that that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Not hating on that at all. That's just the situation that we were in. And so because of that, I felt responsible for the success of our team, for their happiness and their, their whole experience, you know, what they got out of it, what I essentially put myself responsible out of that. And it did, I felt like that was kind of a habit that I, I had my entire time, like through college too, because recruiting is, I mean, it's kind of the same thing in college. You have to be mm-hmm. recruit and uh, some coaches, they do recruit and some don't really recruit and and so I felt like I had to recruit quite a bit. And so because of that, it was like, okay, the, the future of this team, I always held it like on my shoulders, always. Was it, was it, was it discouraging at moments oh, to yeah. your, to your, um, I guess, to your um, t- 
time, you know, as at a young age, right? At a young age, a lot of people think, oh, I'm gonna have a good time. I'm gonna hang out with my girlfriends. So I'm gonna do yeah. this. But now at this point, you're you're really acting, acting, and, and doing what what mm-hmm. a lot of older people would do as a coach. Mm-hmm. Oh right? yeah. So sure. so was so would you say that this was a lot of learning, or was this a lot of like regret? Oh, a lot of learning, a lot of learning. Um, I mean, I was fortunate enough my my junior year of high school, I won worlds for the first time with Kentucky Elite, um, and that coach I had on that team, Parky and Zach they truly made me feel like I did not have to worry about anything. Like it was, I was there, I would show up, do my job, leave and leave all the problems at the gym. And that was the, like, I truly, I mean, I just admire them so much in our experience that we had there because for the first time I would go into the gym and have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that I didn't before, it was just more of like a job for me at such a young age. And that was all I knew. And it wasn't, nobody told me to, take all that responsibility it was just my perfectionism and my you know wanting my my desire to be the best you know where do you so think I, that comes from do you think that comes from a lot from just having know. you know your mom you know kind of like obviously everyone knows your mom right in a way where it's like she's mm-hmm. really good at coaching right yeah so yeah do you, do you think that came from that or do you think it came from from a different you know seed to be honest this might sound kind of weird but I think it was more for selfish reasons. Like I wanted to be on a good team and I knew that my, um, my connections with people, I could find uh, like athletes that could come in and help. And, um, because like, they were like, okay, could you talk to this person? I'm like, yeah, I could talk to that person. Like, that's no big deal. And I think I just took it to a level that was maybe like, I didn't need to assume that role and probably shouldn't have, but I did. And mm-hmm. so I, I think that re- it really came from that. Like I wasn't, I wasn't really doing it for anybody but myself and my little sister and then my best friend, Maddie. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was really all it was from. I think not, like, I've never actually asked myself that question. That's a good question. I mean, she, my mom, she would never make us do anything that we obviously like didn't want to do and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I think that she, she let us, take on these responsibilities because she saw that there could be growth in it you know mm-hmm. and that's like a leader she's a leader in her own sense and all of all the kids in my family we all have different leadership styles and I was very much like uh I used my voice quite a bit I used my connections I would uh talk to people like you know in a specific way and at sometimes like back then you know when I'm like 14, 15 through the mm-hmm. end of my high school career, it was not always very tactful and stuff. And so I would, you know, my mom would get on to me quite a bit for that. <laughs> and so that's when she introduced like John Wooden and like the pyramid of success and what it takes, like the building blocks of success it comes, you know, and like all these things that you have to build on in order to get to the top of the pyramid, which is the ultimate success. And, um, it just took me a while to actually listen and believe her because I am my mom's biggest critic like flat I mean she would come up to me and say hey Whitney will you try this blah blah I'm like no that's not gonna work like why would you make me do that I know it's not gonna work and she's like will you just try it please and then it and then it would work but it's just like I was very stubborn and uh why? I don't know why though yeah I don't know why I think I just maybe had trust issues at a young age which I <laughs> have because like 
I well, I guess if I did have any, it was because people said that they would do things like they would come be on the team and stuff, and then they would never show up. Uh, and I think that probably is. I I hate that. I don't know. That's and oh, even terrible. till now, when people, I guess when people say stuff and then they'll do that for you or or whatever situation, then it never happens. Like it's like, man, who is there to blame? Is it them or myself for trusting right. them? Right. No, exactly. And like, what, what is that bridge that, that broke? Like, what is the thing that really made mm -hmm. me feel like I couldn't do that anymore? And I think for me, it was just the consistency of people telling me that they would be there or that they wanted to join the team. And I was trying my hardest to get us in it. It was slim pickings, like Kentucky cheerleading, Kentucky high school cheerleading is like the pinnacle of high school cheerleading. No doubt about it. There's no other state that compares to honestly cheerleading. I mean, Texas is fabulous and very, very good. But mm -hmm. as far as UCA cheerleading, Kentucky is where it's at. That's there's Correct. there's nothing there's nothing more. And um, I think for me to have to compete with like, okay, you can pay so and so like a huge amount of mo of money monthly to come and do an all star team or just join your local high school team. Like that's, there was a huge um, gap like in, in that. And obviously you, the easiest thing for people like financially was just to join the high school team. And so people would say they're going to do it and then quit in the middle of the season. And honestly, my mom taught us not to ever quit. Like, I mean, we, fin we follow something all the way through. And so when people started doing that, I think that that probably did create a lot of like resentment for not, maybe not resentment, but just disappointment. Like mm -hmm. that's a disappointment. And so it was hard to trust people um, from then on. So I, I think it's hard to kind of, tr I honestly think it's kind of hard to trust people in the cheer industry in general. It's just like, I like, crazy. yeah, I like that you, you brought that up. It's actually a good segue to, um, to just, I guess in the world now, you know, about tr trust, right? That's, mm -hmm. I think that's one of the biggest topics that a lot, I feel like a lot of people now in 2022. And now heading into 2023, you know, it, I feel like if you once you lose that trust in someone, it's so hard to gain it back. Oh, absolutely. 100 percent. I feel like people, they feel like they can buy trust or that they just need it. You know, it's almost like they're using you. But but I do think that people trust you for just I don't want to say that they use you, but they just are so preoccupied with their own needs and stuff that they they flip back and forth and they you know they can't say no and I think that's a whole issue too is not being able to say no excuse mm -hmm. me no to people um and so I and like the position that I was in being my mother's daughter and like being so involved in the, the cheer world people didn't necessarily say no to me but I would have much rather them say no to me than promise me something like an empty promise is like that's, yeah that makes me very frustrated. And it, and it actually has, that's continued throughout my entire life. Like it, it's a great, it's actually pretty interesting that we are, we've made it to this point in this conversation because it helps me reflect too. And I, I love reflecting, um, a healthy amount, obviously. Mm -hmm. but yeah. To, and to that's a cool thing though. though. Yeah. It's, no, a, it's, it's a cool thing. And, and I'm, the one thing I just want to, you know, catch on that before you continue is, that is the whole purpose of this podcast. That's really the, I, I've said it before and, I've, and I'm going to say it again. There's no filters. There's no cover up in this, in the podcast. And, yeah. and I want people to be genuine uh, when they listen to it. I want people to say, wow, this is something that I've just never heard of. 
and this is so cool to hear it uh, from these athletes, you know, from Whitney. And, you know, because I feel like we all see these things on social media. We, we all see this and it's just, you know, all the cheerleading brands out there. And it's just, I personally see it as more like it's just show. It's a show entertainment. But, yeah. but, but when we sit down, we actually talk about this and we talk about cheerleading. We talk about the actual aspects more than just a stunt, mm-hmm. more than just tumbling. And like yeah. you said, like the trust and then the leadership at a young age. And, you know, you talking about, you know, your, your mom and you at such a young age. That I guess that is for me is what's more interest more interesting. Oh, for sure. I agree. No, that's what that's one reason that like um made doing this so appealing because you just meeting you, I feel like I was intrigued to know what your goals were and what your like your whole plan is for this. And so after I met you, I was like, oh, like this is pretty cool because I feel like I can go on there and do and say whatever I want and it not in it like it's responsibility on me to make sure that I say things correctly in my in the way that I need people mm-hmm. to or that I want people to interpret them. Um, but sometimes I'm flawed, you know, everybody yeah. is flawed. And so the fact that you can put that out there and that you're confident in putting that out there, that means that the people that are coming on the show are only gonna be confident and actually uh-huh. like genuine. Uh-huh genuinely good people or not not even always they don't Mm -hmm. have to be good people but genuinely on here to pursue this opportunity to just express who they are and what they've been through you know yeah i like that i like you said that and it's it makes me happy hearing that one because last year so 2021 i took a break from the podcast like a whole year we didn't do anything uh we started in 2020 and throughout the whole year of 2020 i I started it, but I wasn't me. I wasn't mm. the guy that I almost felt like everything I did was scripted. Oh, okay. And and that's that was that's one of my flaws, and I still have it to this day. And I now think I'll never. I always say in the podcast, I'll never get it out of my head. But but it could I, be a greatest attribute too. Yeah, you know? and like I don't know. There's there's specific times where I would say something that maybe I didn't like. And obviously I had the control to edit whatever I didn't like and I'll just take it out and stuff. And that is what made me more, I guess, every episode, every podcast I did, it just it kind of was hurting me inside saying, why am I deleting this? Why? Like, I feel like I have some. It's like stuff. you're just editing yourself mm-hmm. throughout the process. And you know? It's like you lose yourself. Then imagine what you're probably losing from yeah. the other person too. Like exactly. the opportunity to just ask them whatever, mm-hmm. whatever the hell you want. You can and do I- that. Yeah, and my learning point um, early in 2022, like the early stage when we came back, I told myself, I need to be myself. I cannot be a perfectionist. I just need to let it out, talk to them, you know, because they're being vulnerable on on my podcast. They're being vulnerable on the brand, and that's what the brand represents, right? And so for me to not be vulnerable and not share that, it it, kind of makes me – Right. It kind of makes me look like what? Are you still gonna let these people share that, but not yourself? Like that's you started this podcast, you started this brand. And you so. had the vision, and you had the mm-hmm. you know, like it's your heart genuinely wanting to do something, but it's mm-hmm. so easy to get lost in it. The flaws, once the you flaws. Do that. it is, and I feel like that's like what I've struggled with, and, and I think it's in life just in general. Like I've, I've pushed probably my imperfections sometimes, like my frustration maybe with myself on other people, like everybody does all that, you know? And so getting back to Orson at Twist and Shout, mm-hmm. 
the first time I ever heard this, I was like mind blown, but we were learning our pyramid and I was like getting frustrated. You know, my side was hitting perfectly and the other side wasn't hitting perfectly. And I'm like, yeah, come on. Like I got things to do. Like, I'm like seriously being super impatient and not sitting there. And so Orson comes up to me and he says, Whitney, it was like the sweetest thing ever, but like it, it changed my life as far as cheerleading leadership goes. He goes, Whitney, you know that your only job is to encourage your teammates, right? Like that's your only job. It's my job to coach them. It's my job to critique them. If you sit here and you're critiquing them, then why, what am I doing here? And I was like, damn, that is like, for some reason, then it was light bulb. Like I had no idea that I had been overstepping for so long, you know, like I, it was my passion and my desire to be the best and be with the team, like on a team that all had the same goal and pursue that, you know, like it was just like, Oh my gosh, you're right. Like some, some of these people probably don't even want to be here right now. Like trying to get them to do something or to change a bad habit is going to take a long time. And who am I as an athlete to sit here and critique them unless they've asked me to help them? So from then on, I was like very cautious about it and tried to be. And it was still, depending on the coach, it was a roller coaster of uh, mm-hmm. me being able to like trust my coach enough and sit back and just encourage, or I didn't trust them enough and I felt like I had to be the coach. So mm-hmm. it, it's a, there's a very, I've had that several times too, where uh, back then, back when I used to do high school cheer or in college, I would always be, I would do the same thing. I'd be like, guys, like, come on, what are you, what are we doing? You know, right. we got to correct this. We got to correct that. And and now that you bring it up in a way where, you know, your coach told you, you know, what am I here? What am I doing here? And that right. kind of makes, that kind of makes sense. I'm like, I shouldn't be the one really doing that, you know? Right. No, it's not your job and it's not your responsibility to do that. And, and at that point I finally let go of, okay, I don't have to make sure this team is successful. I just have to do my job and help my teammates. And that was such a sense of relief for me. Like I felt a whole weight lifted off my shoulders because for so long I felt responsible for that, you know, and, and my mom, she, she just, cause she would, she would come to Oklahoma. So this is when I was in Oklahoma, my sister, my little sister, Brittany also cheered on twist and shot with me. I was, mm-hmm. it was the best time, best year ever. All-star for me, it was so wonderful. And so my mom, in order to pay for, you know, all the flights and the travel stuff, she would come with my sister and do privates at Twist and Shop just to make money for us to be there and stuff. And we actually had an apartment an, an hour away in Stillwater where I, che- I cheered mm-hmm. at Oklahoma State, which is in Stillwater. And um, she stayed there. Like my mom literally would come in there. So it was, it was an amazing experience, but I learned so much. And for the first time ever, I didn't have to make sure there was enough people on the team. I didn't have to make sure that everybody was wearing the right thing or that they had to show up on the right time. I didn't have to make sure that the attitudes are right. You know, I just had to do my job and that was like really refreshing and made me, made me fall in love with the whole like team aspect of cheerleading again. And it was at the perfect time because at that time it was near in the end of, it was the end of my senior like career as an all-star yeah. cheerleader, my super senior on obsession. And, um, and it was good because it helped me handle like, okay, there's, you know, it's not just my tumbling. That's going to be all that matters. Like I can actually have fun and, and learn and be friends with people on my team because I, for so long, I only had like a couple friends on the team when I would be on the team. And that's probably because I was a bitch, honestly. And I had no <laughs> idea that I was like, I wasn't trying to, it was all with like 
good genuine intention but yeah you were just trying to make sure that the house wouldn't blow up you would you wanted everything to just go the way you you see it you just wanted to go right yeah what i did what i was deeming that in that time as correct but like everything i feel like now i've even changed so much from that because like another piece of advice i got was what is right and what's wrong like everybody's perspective of right and wrong is different. So what you think is right is not necessarily what your teammates going to think is right. So it's important mm-hmm. that we all learn together and grow together and that we're all on the same page, you know, our foundation, that building blocks, that we're all on the same page so we can grow up instead of just continuing to grow out in building blocks, you know, like we have to build on one another. But I, you know, it's just, that's life. You just continue to learn all that stuff. So. Mm-hmm. I like that. I I think there's something that I um, it's very actually it's very similar. I don't know if you get this though. Um, anytime someone brings, I'll give an example. This happened about two weeks ago. Um, someone brought in food, right? And he brought in food for the whole, for the whole company, right? It was like almost ten, I think twelve people. And I'm this. I'm always. I've always been this person where. If someone's, if there's like a large quantity or whatever food or whatever gift that I automatically think I'm like the ma- the host or the manager or it's something <laughs> and I need to just make sure, guys, can we please just make sure you grab a little bit, make sure everyone else grabs enough. But then I'm seeing he grabs, a, he grabs a lot. He grabs a lot. There, you know, it's like it won't be enough for everyone. I'm like, guys, are we seriously just hogging everything? And I love that. But I, I like that too, but then I feel like a dick. Because <laughs> like, cause like, why are you there to say that? You're there yes, to eat the food, whatever yes. you want. <laughs> but then I feel bad because maybe the person didn't get enough. Maybe this person. So then Aww. what I do is I think, for example, it was a food. It was like a big meal prep. Um, It was a lot of food. It was a lot of food. It's like catering. And everyone started like spooning in all the way through their plate, their plate. And I'm like, I'm like, guys, can we just hold on a little bit? Like maybe do a little bit now. When everyone has grabbed something, then you go seconds. Oh my gosh. But they all looked at me like, like, like shut up. yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah, and like, then I grabbed a little bit and I just, and I'm like waiting for everyone to like. Well, now, yeah, grab. see, now you're like suffering, right? Mm-hmm. Like now you're sitting there and be like, okay, I'm the one being respectful. All of you are being bitches. Correct. So I'm going to sit here and do my job and all of you are going to get whatever you want. And now I'm going to be disappointed and punish myself and sit and sulk because I didn't do exactly what, like you all didn't do what I wanted yet. I kind yes. of wish I did what you did. <laughs> yes. It, but then in my heart, I just, I can't. And then, and I guess that's always, that's always been me. And I, and I don't know. That's know. a good thing though. I mean, it's obviously like you need to know whoever brought the food they should bring more if they're going to like it's not your responsibility but i think that that's really compassionate and thoughtful like very selfless that's a good quality to have you can just hone in on that and just maybe not make it hurt you as much yeah because because that happened and then i was looking at everyone like (laughs) my god and then when it was done and left I was like, all right, there's still a little bit. I'm going to just take all this shit because everyone already grabs them. I'm done. I'm grabbing it. Yeah, no, you're like, I deserve this. (laughs) Yeah. I find that pretty empathetic of you, though, just to notice that. But it's the same thing, though. I think I feel like it would be kind of similar to where your story is at. Probably. Because you kind of want everything to go well. 
and I do. you don't want to you don't want to disappoint yourself and most importantly right. you don't want to disappoint the whole you know um event or team mm-hmm. and it's and i think that's, that's exactly and like you said i think it's i think it's a good trade i think no, it's something I think that is a, actually a great way to put it because, well, and it's the the crappy thing is, is when you put all that responsibility on yourself, the last thing that you want to happen does end up happening eventually. And like for me, it was, I never wanted to be like, so I won four national titles with Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Super, I'm super fortunate and blessed to have experienced like such a wonderful career there. And I cheered five years. My fifth year, my fifth year was the hardest year for me. Um, it was so hard. I felt like sometimes maybe I should have just stopped after my fourth year, you know, like, but I decided, um, so once you've won four times and you go back for one more, you're like, okay, one, I would have been the only person in the, the history of OSU to have gotten first five years in a row. Like I was already a part of history with the dynasty and the legacy that, my teammates and I were leaving behind once we left. Um, my fifth year, though, I didn't have any of my rookie class with me or anybody I'd, I had, you know, I had started with or anybody who I had spent, you know, that whole time who I'd led with, like, mm-hmm. you know, for sure. And um, I think that I just took, because of that, I put more responsibility on me, more responsibility on me to make sure that this team was successful to I also was on the team with my younger sister Brittany. She won. We won the year before, so she won her first time at nationals. But I just wanted her to win. Like even now today, I could cry thinking about it. If I could take all of my wins, I'd just give them to her if I could because I think that she deserves them. Like as far as like your most amazing athlete ever, she is the pinnacle of athleticism to me. She is like my my role model honestly she's amazing along with my mom and some other coaches but my little sister is one hell of an athlete and one an even better leader and so I wanted that for her and um and because I had you know I had all this pressure that I put on myself that nobody Um, else put it on me you know it it was me wanting this for everybody else it's like a a curse for us no it really is it (laughs) truly is and so the whole year I was like, okay, this team, we've got to be at this point by this point in the year, this point, by you know, got to make sure that we're on the right track and stuff. And, and I failed to trust the people around me, my, my, me, my mentors, you know, around me. Um, looking back, I, I thought that I was, but I really wasn't. And then there were also some, you know, re- reciprocal trust, you know, coming back to me. And um, then, you know, once, nationals came it was my pyramid that fell and it was like the worst thing ever I because I'd never fallen in nationals ever like I, it's never but I think we talked about this in Utah I just the team the team that year was just very fresh it, they were all new and um I don't think that we all trusted each other like you have to have mutual trust within your all of your teammates whether you like them or not you're gonna have to go out there and compete with them Correct. and so I think for me personally, I, I was faking it to myself enough that I actually believed myself that I trusted everybody I was with, but I truly didn't like looking back. I, I, I didn't, and I wish that I could have. Um, but yeah, it was just like this underlying pressure that like, it just drove me nuts. I would stay up to like two or three in the morning, just like 
putting like our double ups on slow-mo dissecting everything you know like this is this looks different and I would compare them to ones that were good and ones that were not so it did teach me a lot about skills like obviously I I mean I spent out so many hours just looking at skills because I wanted to know what I could do to make sure that they hit or you know what I felt like maybe they could do better or you know just to make sure they were consistent because consistency is key although if mm-hmm. you don't do it wrong then you don't know what to do right but if you do it wrong and then right and then wrong and then right like there has to be some learning curve that you can stay up you know where it's actually going to be the right thing more often than it's not and I just I don't think that I trusted people on my team as much as I truly wanted like I thought that I was and um because of that I'm I and I still put all the responsibility on me although I don't think it was all like I I know it wasn't all my fault although I still like think (laughs) that I'm putting it all on myself and we didn't win that year and it was my side of the pyramid that fell so it's like it it happens but um, I had never had I really had never fallen like that in in a competition ever like literally ever I the worst I had ever done was fallen on maybe a tumbling pass or then a full instead of a double but I never like dropped a stunt like that's something you wouldn't expect oh my gosh I couldn't believe I mean it's still like mind-boggling to me like why couldn't I just save it you know like I I have this unrealistic perception of my capability (laughs) and I think that it may have been what helped me get to the point that I was at like in cheerleading um, and really helped me achieve a lot of the tumbling. Like I know for sure it helped me achieve most of the tumbling that I had, but I just didn't think I couldn't do anything. Like if I wanted it, if there's a will, there's a way. And I truly lived that. And like, I worked my ass off to get those skills and everything. And so I just kind of like apply it to everything in life. Like I, I just think there's, there's no limit for somebody who is willing to work hard and to like be patient and like do what it takes to, to achieve what you want. And, um, I, I feel like that, that was like, Oh my gosh, I did. Like, I remember I fell like my pyramid comes crashing down and I just like say out loud and I say, Oh my gosh, we didn't do it. Like we didn't win again. My career's over. Like I I'm done. And, um, like, what do you do now? You know what I mean? Like you walk yeah. up the stage and you go back to awards and you seem, you're embarrassed not getting first and you're embarrassed because you fell and you're embarrassed because you're the fifth year on a team that didn't do her job. And you're embarrassed. You're the captain that didn't do her job. And you're sad for your sister because she didn't win and all of your teammates that didn't win. And it's, it sucks. So, yeah, no, the, just, I feel like the, the feeling of losing is uh so so big and it like it hurts right but but in that moment i i mean like i love what you said if there's a way there's no if there's a will right and then there's a way right i like that and and i guess you can take that even as a loss you can say Mm -hmm. well if i lost then there's a way to overcome that it's a really good point I never thought of that. That's a fabulous point. I wish I could have thought of that back then, honestly. Yeah, you were like in the moment. That's, that's a really great point. That probably would have helped my perspective on my on myself quite a bit. And you know, I remember I remember hugging Leroy after I lost and stuff. Um, it was the next day in Daytona and 
I apologize to him because like his legacy at OSU was like, that's like goals for a coach, honestly, goals, what he did, how he inspired people, um, like literally what he created that legacy and that family and all of the alumni that, you know, were with him and coached by him and stuff like it was, I was doing it for them too, you know, like obviously that's what I was also doing it for. And, um, when I hugged him, he was like, this is so Leroy. He goes, you're okay. You can cry, cry right now if you want to, but get yourself ready. Cause you're going to USA in two days and uh, you know, we'll, we'll make it up there. And I was like, Oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> like crying my <laughs> eyes out. And luckily that was my first year on USA in 2016. And my love for cheerleading came back like instantaneously. Like the whole two week experience of USA was everything you could ever imagine and want in cheerleading. And it was the best. So you didn't do, you didn't do team USA then till you were done with, um, I didn't, yeah, I didn't do it until 2016, honestly, cause I didn't think I, I was good enough. <laughs> and um, really, yeah, well, no because way. well, you had to be like a co-ed stunner as well. And mm. I don't really co-ed stunt like that much. I mean, I basket, I well, middle air, I tumble, but I, I think I was just scared to try out. I didn't not want to make it. And I think that that's a huge part of why people miss out on opportunities. Like I, I lived that firsthand, waited until my fifth year of college to try out. And then I did in USA in 2016 and 2017. And then I was on the, um, the teams that went to Poland and, and Costa Rica the, the two years after that. So 2016, 17, 18, 19, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't do ICU those years because um, the relationship that I was in at the time was not, uh, uh, it was not, it, wasn't putting, it was not putting me in the uh, head right spot. Correct. It just wasn't going to work at that point. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it, it took me till 2016 to actually try out and do it because I was just really scared, but I'm so wow. happy. I did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was like the most incredible thing. And um, I thought you started doing team USA when you were like, five or six Dude, seriously I, <laughs> I wish i i mean my dream is like man i wish i could coach usa one day i remember asking Leroy, i'm like how can i just do what you do <laughs> yeah and he's like just keep going <laughs> just keep on getting experience and i'm like all right and here i am now i don't even like hardly do anything with cheerleading which is great i'm not mad at it um i love it a whole lot do you miss it oh my gosh all the time like What's all the time favorite part yeah. The, the dose that I got in Utah was like so refreshing for me because for me, God bless myself and cheerleading. We have such a beautiful, toxic relationship with each other. And I think a lot of people in the cheer industry would probably say that because unfortunately it requires hours till who knows when and uh-huh. you're never home, you know, and you do a lot of work for free and that's just not ideal. So unless you are... I'm not gonna lie, like single and doing your own thing. Like it's in the position that I was in with, with my marriage at that point, Mm -hmm. um, it just wasn't working. And so I, I typically chose, you know, I, I've got to work on my career, the career first and blah, blah, blah. And so that was a big factor in, you know, leading up to the disappointment and stuff with what came later in my personal Mm -hmm. life. But, um, it's like, 
it's everything I love and it's everything I hate. You know, it exposes you and it teaches you, it challenges you, yet it's so beautiful and you learn okay. and like the growth and stuff. We can talk about cheer in so many ways. And oh, it's okay. like, there's so much that I, uh, there's so much that we can talk. And, and the firm, I'm a firm believer. And that's just something I really want to share with you is, um, and I want to share everyone that's listening to the podcast. I'm a big firm believer that cheerleading you know, you don't find cheer. I've always, I feel like oh, cheerleading finds you. 100%. Right? Yes. yes. And for yes. a lot of, uh, you know, I'll point out some examples. For a lot of guys, I'll, I'll start with the guys first. Guys, you know, some of them grew up with cheer. Some of them, you know, are new, know Most about cheer since, since, yeah. since they were babies. But, but for some of them that are just straight out of football, lifting, wrestling, yes. all these like big macho sports, you think of cheerleading, you think, oh man, what is this? This is a girl sport. This is a pom pom. Right. This is this is nothing that I'm gonna do. If right. not, my parents or my coaches or my friends are gonna make fun of me. Right. And you know that's that's my mentality too. Back then, when I when I was doing football, but when you realize, and this is what I love about cheer, it's not the stunting, which it is fun. Don't get me wrong. Sure. Not the tumbling, not the events, not the competitions, not the uniforms. What I think the best part about cheer is, is the people yeah. that make it special for you in your career. Oh yeah, and it, right. It's, yeah, I mean, and so, those people that make it special, they're with you. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, they truly do follow you through life. And there's good apples and bad apples, man. And oh, and guess yeah. what? The world, it's not perfect. No. You're gonna have those people that are are just gonna bring you down all the way and and you're not going to have control of that right because people are going to exist but the best thing that you can do is you can follow the energy like we said earlier mm. you you attract what you you know you talk in the in, in this world yeah. and and like i said and so one of for example one of my favorite things that i've and i actually um my coach from high school i today i actually went and got to see her today which oh, was yeah. the best thing i haven't seen her in probably okay. four years oh wow years so she is she's almost like my second mom which don't really talk to her as much anymore i guess i guess for me it's always been i guess i don't want to talk to anyone from the past until i i guess i'm successful i guess i'm, right. so I'm, so I'm like somebody like yourself or yeah and and i don't know if that's a talk talk to thing or not i don't know if that's a bad thing but um but basically you know we talked and and the one thing that i remember uh, from her um is i you know, I don't come from a family with a lot of money, right? So for me, cheerleading was a little bit hard to, you know, afford. Right, yeah. And I really wanted to go to college. And I said, Ooh. well, how do I get good? Yeah. There was there was a clinic that came to Illinois. It was uh, some Kentucky cheerleaders. Cheer experts? No, no, no. It was uh, part of Camp Jeff, I think. Oh, Camp Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't like this guy, but, but anyways, we'll just probably cut this out. <laughs> anyways, um, so I go to that, right? And then my coach, her name is uh, Mian, mm -hmm. uh, Lauren Mian. Um, and she's like, hey, you should go to this clinic. And I'm like, yeah. oh, gosh, I, I don't think I can. It's it's a lot of money. Yeah. You know, but I really want to get good. But it's okay. I'll figure it out. Right, right. And, and Lauren's like, are you going to go? It was like a week later. It's like, no, I don't think I'm going to be able to. And then like after she's like tony come, come to my school because she teaches come mm -hmm. to school and i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you something and i'm like what well i'm gonna 
I'm going to give you the money so you can go into the clinic. Oh, and I said, I said, um, coach, what are you talking about? Like, what? Like, yeah. no, like we're not, you're not giving me your money. Right. She's like, no, I want you to go and I want you to go and learn the skill so you can learn it and, and take it for college. Yeah. And that was like, and that for me, those, those moments, yeah. those big moments where it might look for a teenager, you know, it might look small, but for me, those are the best parts about cheerleading, you know, yeah. and I've had people on the podcast share similar stories where their coach, where their teammates, mm -hmm. that is what cheerleading is. I think that's yeah. what makes it special. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think like, you know, for every two or three bad apples, there's one really, really good apple. And mm -hmm. I think it's important, like you said, like with like the energy and stuff, where you are in your life at that point is going to attract people who are either going through similar things, they're going to help you or they're going to hurt you, you know? And I think that it's important that you can keep an awareness that you can trust people like that because clearly she did that from the goodness of her heart. Mm -hmm. And that, that happens so often. And like, I've had very, like very similar experiences, like um, Carolyn, the coach of Stillwater High School, I coached there for like, oh gosh, it was year. I mean, goodness, I coached that high school team for years with her. And she, I mean, there were times when I, in my relationship where I would, I had just been through something very toxic or like debilitating, you know, and I would go to her and she would just stitch me back up in whatever way she could. And she had resources where she could do that. And I still, to this day, like couldn't thank her enough for just being there for me, you know, mm -hmm. watching out for me and take, not taking care of me, letting me grow, but she knew when I really, really was down and when I truly needed help, to, you know, to be picked back up. And I, it, without her, I probably would have hurt myself by then. You know, mm -hmm. like it's it's stuff like that. People who really do care for you. And um, gosh, that's so huge. Yeah, no, that's mm -hmm. awesome. And because of that, you were exposed to a whole new way of cheerleading, you know, and it's it's it, it's, it's amazing. Like when I when I did. um it's so funny because it's, and it's all about how the person like on the other side uh, goes about it, like how, how their, how, how their generosity or, you know, it, it's, it's so crazy. Like when I was picking. It's like a butterfly effect, right? Like the oh, butterfly effect. Sure, yeah. No. And when I was picking colleges, I was planning on going to university of Louisville and I had committed to university of Louisville and, um, but was still kind of like, Nah, do I want to just go and do all-star like forever? Because I felt like that's like, like the obvious thing for me to do at that point. And um, was talking to a friend of mine who went to Oklahoma state and I went and saw them in Daytona. So I had just like, that was my senior year, literally my graduating year. I go and I visit like their little uh, grass practice in Daytona and I go up to Leroy and um, I'm like, hi, you know, introducing myself. And he, he literally goes, are you want to come here? I heard you want to come here. And I was like, yeah, I'm thinking about it. And he said, well, we don't really need you, but if you want to come, you can. And like, to me, that was, that was the moment where I was like, oh shit, they don't need me, Bet I'm going there. But I <laughs> wanted to go somewhere where I felt like I wasn't like the puzzle, the missing puzzle piece that they needed, you know? So it's just so crazy because, because when genuine people like that know you or just like know the type of person or like, I don't know. Sometimes I think God or just, you know, just the universe in general places people in the right 
place at the mm-hmm. right time. And because he hadn't, like, he didn't really care. He showed me that he really was like, you can do whatever you want, girl. Like, I'm not going to force you to do anything. We would love to have you. If not, enjoy your life. Like, I love Louisville. I cheered at Louisville. And they're fabulous. Like, they're my best friends. But if not, then you can come here and we have a home for you. And to me, that was such an, a like, that was a door that needed to be open for me to commit to something big, like moving, you know, from Kentucky to Oklahoma. And it just, it depends on what the person says, how they say it, how they treat you, what they're, you know, and you can feel that energy, whether it's, you know, in a, a hidden agenda or if it's like actually a genuine feeling. So yeah, that's exactly what happens. Let's go. That's, that's tonality. I would say t- the tonality of your voice is, is very important on how you talk to others. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, that's one of my favorite things about coaching too. Like once I got into coaching, I had um, a coach that I coached with told me, and this was in like a more, you know, like a negative aspect of it, but, but told me that um, I needed to stop using my personal experience as ways, as, as like tools to teach kids. Because if I did that, then they would forget what um, she was doing for the university or uh, for the team and uh, only know what I was doing. And, um, to me, like, I didn't even realize that that's like the, the, um, perspective that I was like putting on someone, you know, especially somebody that was a role model to me that I look, look up to a lot. And, and then when I told another coach that they were like, what? Like, that's ridiculous. Like, and I was also told that like passion, I had too much passion and passion wasn't a good thing. They said that? Who said that? Call him right now. No, 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 no. It, it was, it was just somebody who really did mean a lot to me and who I truly did. Like I, I look up to, um, and it hurt my feelings a lot. Yeah. And then I, you know, start, I would, I eventually like expressed that to someone else and they were like, no, they're crazy. Like, that's crazy. You can never be too passionate and you should always use your experience because how else are you going to teach kids? Like, like what I feel, what I feel in a basket. And I would always preface with what I feel might not be what you feel, but here's what happens with me. And if it doesn't, then let me know. Like if you feel something different, please tell me, because I want to learn. Obviously I want to continue to learn how to help the kids. And um, so, but at that point I was like, dang, like that's my experience. That's like all I have. I feel like to go off of. Like what, what, why would I teach if I didn't have experience in, in doing this stuff? That's why I did so many reps so I could feel what I do wrong, what I could feel what I do right. And when it's right, what does it look like? What does it feel like? What is, you know, what, what does, what is that? And, um, so from then on, I was just like, you know what, this is bullshit. I'm not going to listen to that person. And I, maybe they were, maybe I did something wrong to them or, you know, maybe I caught him on a bad day or something, but my experience is that's, that's, I love my experience. My experience Mm -hmm. is all I have to go by. Like my mom is a math major. She's like a minor in English and psychology. My mom is a genius. She literally looks at skills and sees math. And I think that is brilliant. And I wish I could do that. But for me, all I can do is go off what I've feel and what I've experienced doing that skill. I don't look at a skill and see angles and, um, you know, like, gosh, 
degrees and all this stuff like that's not me and although that is how I was taught with her right like I everything she says is so freaking true because it is math like it, mm-hmm. you can't you can't deny any of it because it literally works like do a math equation she can show you she can prove that it's all right and <laughs> and I think like knowing that and having someone tell me that it was like my experience I was technically like unworthy of coaching is what it felt like because my experience meant nothing and um since then I have really not necessarily challenged myself but I have found ways to better ways to talk to people but coaching kids like once I started coaching all-star it was it's always like so fun for me because my tone and how I go about them and everybody's so different and not that I think you should coach like to the kid but I think you should critique to the kid based on what they're what they're dealing with what their strength level is what their tech technical habits are bad habits because you can't just say general technique like like in tumbling hey you're not studying well no shit Sherlock I'm not I'm not (laughs) studying like thank you Captain Obvious tell me why tell me why the why in all of it is and that's literally what I eventually got to is why are you not studying why is this basket feel weird? Because it's it's just saying generic like things is not going to work anymore. The kids are too smart in this world. Like they're getting way too smart. They're either really, really smart or they're so, they lack so much like, uh, or they trust in people so much that they'll do anything they say. And there has to be a happy medium. Like you can't have somebody who defies you, but you can't have somebody who just looks at you and will jump off a cliff if you tell them to jump off the cliff. And so that independence in, in the kids needs to grow. And as it grows, who's going to teach them? Their coach and their parent. Yeah. You know? and, we, and those are the good apples. Those, those are really the ones that really care. Yeah. And the bad apples is what you just said just now is the, see, where these athletes and these athletes are, are, you know, they don't know a lot, right? They're always listening to whoever's higher than them, the coach or, oh, yeah. or a bigger athlete or like someone, you know, like a veteran on the team. Mm-hmm. And, and I, that was what, I guess that's what triggers me the most is people that have this power that would tell these athletes what to do in a certain, like that's either uncomfortable, either it's not, not necessary what they're saying and but, but they're going to try to brainwash them in a way where that's right. That's the way I see it. That's mm-hmm. the way I want it. Or you should do this for me. You should do that. You don't right. do this. You're off the team. You're you're not going to be on team. You're going to be, right. you know, and that's, it's I so think that's. To just know the, the kid, to know the athlete. And mm-hmm. like, um, you know, I also coached with somebody and one day at practice or before practice, they were like, you just give in to the kids too much. I'm like, no, that's the last thing I'm doing is giving into the kid. Like, are you kidding me? I'll make them cry tomorrow if 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 that's what it comes to. I don't I never know. Like I don't have plans on how I'm gonna coach that kid. I I feel their energy and I get to know them. And mm-hmm. and my favorite kids to coach are the most difficult ones. The most difficult ones for other coaches to coach and the most talented ones because they are the most stubborn. And the stubbornness is something that I find very, very um, enjoyable for me to work with, probably because I was like that. But when they question me, it's like, okay, let's figure this out together. If you think you're so great and you know what you're doing, then tell me, tell me what you're feeling. Tell me why. And if you can tell me the why to why what I'm saying is not going to work, then bet you, you get it. Like, I want you to do what you feel like is right. 
But if not, if you can't explain to me why it's going to work or why it's not going to work, then one, let's try it, see what happens. If it does or doesn't, then you'll know what to do from there. Or two, just listen to me because I've done a whole lot of experience. Like I've had a lot of reps in this stuff. And anytime I critique something that like I'm not familiar with, especially when it comes to um, like actually like partner stunning, like I didn't fly an elite stunt. I mean, I, I can do elite stunts, but I didn't compete elite stunts all the time. Um, and I obviously never based a, like a girl only. I was a um, an all girl base. Like I, I was a group stunner. That's, that's what mm. I did before I went to Oklahoma state is I based in group stunts. I was an all girl base. And um, so especially when it comes to things that I'm not necessarily like as experienced in, I'll say, listen, this is what I see, but like, Please, if it sounds stupid to you or if you try it and it's not working, then just ignore me. Like, ignore me completely. I'm not going to be hurt because, like, I trust what you're doing. You have experience. But if it does work, definitely let me know. And I'll continue to give you just, like, my insight because all I'm looking at is angles. Like, I'm looking at what my mom has taught me in that situation. And if it works, it works. If not, it doesn't. And I think a lot of coaches, like you're saying, it's like, this is the only way. There is no other way. And if you don't do it this way, then you got to go. Well, that may have worked years ago, but now there is a million ways to do a million different things. And every kid learns differently. They truly do. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I mean, once you get like learning disabilities stuck in there, it's like, you know, you've got to learn how to coach them. Like you have to, if not, then they're either going to walk all over you or they're going to be miserable and you're going to be miserable. Like as a coach, nobody wants a miserable coach. That is the worst thing ever. They want someone to hold them accountable and they want someone to truly encourage and love them. And that's what I think building kids like athletes in general is all about is like getting to know them and help, helping them figure out their life to transfer into the real world in general. Correct. Yeah. That's you hit it. You hit it perfect. You hit like every nail that was on the wall. Construction <laughs> <laughs> worker over here. <laughs> no, that's I like that, and I really do. I, Winnie, this, these are the stuff that I want people to know. These are the stuff. These is the information that I want people to say. Hey, I am. I, I maybe I'm in a spot right now that Winnie is saying. Maybe maybe people are just questioning my coaching maybe they're wondering am i doing too much but because whitney is saying this and because she has been through it and she's overcome this and she's like you know what there's not enough for anything it's always going to be you know there's always going to be more and more and that's okay and that is completely okay because my one of my biggest uh, belief is don't listen to anyone that is just going to give you terrible terrible like comments because that will break you down that was that's gonna that's going to make you into it's gonna put you in a bubble where you're constantly thinking about the the am i good enough am i doing this right and you know are they hating on me and and i think a lot of people not nowadays in high school probably going through that or or an all-star you know oh yeah for sure i mean that's like when i when I was in high school, I feel mentally I was, I was very like strong. It was when I got for me. And now I think it probably is once you get into high school, but like personally, I didn't go to a high school. So I didn't have that, you know, um, that environment that also kind of like questioned you all the time. It was Mm -hmm. for me, it was college. 
once I got into college and I um, was in the relationship that I was in, it was, I just kept shrinking. Like my self-esteem kept shrinking. I developed an eating disorder. I, you know, uh, and that's when I was diagnosed with ADHD and like all of this stuff, like my world around me was truly, it was evolving and it was, it was changing so much. And I feel like the people that I was surrounding myself with majority of the time, they put me in a box always. Mm-hmm. I was always this really good cheerleader who was really bad at school and um, had ADHD. Like that was me in college, I felt like. And all the, and I just kept like, I like, I felt like I was like on this treadmill and I just kept running for like to get, reach my goal, to reach this distance, but I wasn't going anywhere. And I didn't know why, but it, and it truly comes back to just myself for sure. And also the people that I allowed to impact me and um, tell me who I was. I think like, it's so hard to learn who you are. Like it's taken me 30 years. I'm 29. It's taken me 29 years to get to the state of mind that I'm in right now and the confidence that I'm in. And cheerleading ain't going to help it much at all. Like it truly doesn't. Cheerleading is an, an outside thing that it'll go away. And when it goes away, what do you have? Like it, the, one of the most like the most um, eye-opening things that was ever said to me was at the end of the day, when you go home, you've got yourself and you're going to die alone. So at the end of the day, when you go home and you have yourself, if you don't love yourself, then what's the point? Like, why, why are you even doing this? So you have to learn to love yourself and be okay with yourself and be alone with yourself and to, um, know that here's my weaknesses, here's my strengths, here's how my strengths can be weaknesses, and here's how my weaknesses can actually help me be stronger. And how do I balance all of that? And how do I come to terms with who I am and just like love me for me? Like I don't need anybody else to be with me. And I don't, I don't want to be with anybody else to enhance me. And I, the relationship that I was in, I was used majority of, um, as like a, like a tool just for happiness. I'm a very positive person. Um, but unfortunately throughout that relationship, it was in that darker time for me. And so my happiness and my positivity, that light started dimming. And by the end of that relationship, I had no light. I was lifeless and was doing what people assumed me to do. I was actually living out that person that, that, that was in that box. Like I was actually becoming that person that I'm really not like that. Those are characteristics of me. I was very talented cheerleader and is school super easy for me? No, I did have to work hard at it. And yeah, I do have ADHD. Maybe that affected me, but that doesn't like that, that doesn't define me. That's not who I am. And I truly did let that become who I was. And in doing that, I, I lost who my foundational, like human, like who I was as a human, I lost all of that. Right. Was it hard? Was it hard in that moment? Um, because there, was there anyone else who talked to you about this? Or was it always just constantly keeping it to yourself and, and, and being afraid of sharing that with someone else? Um, so I, because I, sorry, sorry, sorry I'm sorry. I just want to say one thing. I, for everyone listening, um, so this this conversation we've had in the past, yeah. actually at the Utah, it was during mm-hmm. breakfast, and for me, it was you know we've talked about it you know right now about the podcast about the relationship you had, 
and you know the growth all everything that went through that relationship you know i tr i truly truly you know i i love this story i really do because it's it's one of those things where you know you're not the only person you know there's someone else out there that is going through the same thing because oh, yeah. we're literally are living like we are constantly living almost the same life it's just a matter yeah. of where like, are you growing up with it yeah what part of your life like are you experiencing that specific mm -hmm. thing you know like in your journey in my journey it was in college someone else's it could be in high school it could mm -hmm. be you know later in life I, did, I don't know but i i think so my sister was in she was at oklahoma state with me and i mean she's fabulous she was only a sophomore my fifth year though and she was um a junior my the year that i coached and a lot of this was happening around that time um and she saw it a, a little bit, but I was so brainwashed and um, like manipulated to the point where I truly believed it of myself. So I didn't tell anybody I because I didn't think that anything mm -hmm. was happening. I thought it was my bad. Um, it took one my best friend. Her name is Michelle. We call her Mushi. It took her saying, are you kidding me? Like, get out of this relationship. Like, just, you are worth more. And she started saying it quite a bit more and more often. And we worked together, too, at, at this point. Um, just there were little things, you know. And, and finally, I, like, I think a lot of, like, the physical stuff that happened, um, I don't know. I, I didn't black out. Like, I remember all of it. Mm -hmm. But I just, like, thought it was normal. I thought I deserved it. And you were like, there's no way this can't happen to me. Like this, I think this is still, this, I think this is still life. This is part of life, right? Yeah, no, exactly. I thought it was just hard. And I thought that we, you know, we would eventually get through that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we didn't <laughs> clearly, it just got worse. And I kept, I think both of us kept trying to find, um, things like in our environment or like new things to mm -hmm. do to help bring in positivity and stuff. And like, I was, I mean, I was even told at one point, like, you're the only happiness that I get have at all. And so mm -hmm. I was responsible for the happiness in that relationship the entire time. So if I wasn't happy, they weren't unhappy. I mean, they weren't happy. And um, when I was happy, it was typically, I mean, it was honestly when I wasn't on my ADHD meds was when I was the happiest. And um, unfortunately, I during school, I had to take them more because I was in school, right? Mm -hmm. Like I had to pass. And, um, and so the, when I wasn't on them, it was like, oh, she's annoying. So like we would be in car rides and they'd just look at me and they'd be like, can you just stop talking? Like, please just shut up. And so like things like that, I didn't even know were rude. <laughs> like yeah. I, thought, I thought really I was just like that. And I can be like that, but you know, to have someone just blatantly tell you and then i was also told like i was resented for cheering like i mean the fact that your person that you're married to tells you i resent you because of all of this not necessarily a healthy thing you know and so eventually i started opening up to my best friend and she was like this is not okay like he's an asshole and um uh it's actually kind of weird for me to even talk about this. I'm like a little nervous. No, 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 no! Don't, don't be nervous, please. It's, um, you don't have to. You don't have to say. No, 
I mean, I a want lot. To, you don't. You don't have to. It's. I want to express. I'm just. I'm. Part. I guess I'm. At this. At this point of the podcast, I'm so happy that you're. Uh, that you get to share this here on the on the, on this podcast because it it truly makes me happy knowing that someone else out there is going to be listening to this and it's going to be like, wow, I do not feel alone. I yeah. am actually going through this because the amount of DMs, the amount of people actually saying how much this podcast or this story has has impacted them and it still blows my mind really i've never thought i was gonna get to that point where you know it makes an impact in someone and for me that is i guess that's my goal it's really making an impact in someone's life yeah so you don't have to say everything if you want to want to i i want to say as much as i can like physically and mentally like yeah. make myself say because it's healed and, all of yeah. it's healing too you know and, and if you don't someone, you don't really you don't deserve that you really don't <laughs> yeah. i i don't know i wish we would have came became friends a long time ago because honestly this friends like that you know and it's so i guess it's because i don't know and like we talked earlier you know i'm very i care about a lot of people even when they don't see it like the food i want to make sure everyone gets like an equal amount of portion like i don't want you to get more i don't want you to get more i want this everyone to get equal shares so for me i'm always making sure that my friends and i guess i don't have a big friend group anymore i guess it's really which is a good thing that's a good Mm -hmm. thing yeah (laughs) it's gotten really small because to the point where who cares you know who really cares and who doesn't and for yeah. those who do care treat them take care of them yeah make sure they're okay yes. you know because everyone's yes. going through this world and this thing we call life where mm-hmm. at any point it can be gone it can be you know absolutely if you're not taking checking up on someone yeah. well, they might be having the worst time of their life yeah and you could be like how i was where i spent my whole college career with somebody who i I mean, I don't think it's like a secret for people who know me who are listening. We cheered together. We were stunt partners. We mm-hmm. lived together. We did everything together. He was my first boyfriend ever, ever. Mm-hmm. I like I, it, it's it's wild, but you know, I I I love so deeply, and all I want is to be loved and accepted. Mm-hmm. And accepted. That's all anybody should want, right? Mm-hmm. And um, to be told you're wrong, or to be told that you're this way, or like. To be told, I know that you, this is not what you really want. And you're like, well, even if it isn't, let me figure it out on my own. Because I, how do you know, man? I know. Like, (laughs) I'm a big advocate on, okay, if you think that your way is going to work, then just try it. And when it doesn't work, that's fine. Like, like even growing up, my mom, gosh, my poor mother with me, we're very much alike, but I'm just very stubborn as well. Uh And, um, even when I was learning my standing double, like I remember going up to her when I was probably, I think I was 15, maybe, maybe 16. I was like, mom, I want to learn a standing double. And she goes, honey, you're going to have to condition a lot and work really, really hard to get that. And I said, okay, I don't want to do it then. It's like, I tried it for like a day and I was like, no, this is going to be way too hard. I don't want to do it. And then a year later, I just started working on it on my own. But a lot of people and a lot of athletes have to figure out on their own. Like it truly is like you can have all these mentors and stuff and, and hopefully you do have really good people surrounding you that they can tell you and and not just say, yes, it's going to happen or no, it's not going to happen. It's more of like a try it, see what happens. If it doesn't work, I'm here for you. If it does work, I'm so proud of you, stuff like that. And I just feel like in that time of my life, living forever away from home, you know, like I was States away, I was hours drive away and I was 
a $350 plus plane ride home. And, you know, that was very frustrating. I, I got to a point where I was, um, I felt, I, I told myself that I shouldn't go home because my, what I was doing at home wasn't as important as what we were doing at their home, you know, my, my husband's home. And, um, so I wouldn't even visit home. I would ignore my family's calls because they were, um, like a nuisance, you know, it was just an annoyance for them to listen to. And, and it broke, it didn't break my family, but it pulled me away from my family quite Mm -hmm. a bit. Like there's red flag number 500 million, you know, it's, and, and I had no idea, had no idea. And so it, it took me getting to a point. So my best friend was telling me about it. Um, who she was, Brittany was being very supportive and helping, trying to, you know, help me. She would see me like in my lowest and stuff. And I, obviously I, I, I think I also blocked a, a lot of things away from her because she's my younger sister. I want her to think that like she can look up to me because in reality, I feel like both she and I, like she meant or um, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, like she's the big sister of the two of us. Like I've always looked up to her so much, but we're just so different. We're you were so mm-hmm. different that we just make like this perfect whole, like she's like my other half. Right. And, um, and so it took me getting to a point where I went home for a friend's wedding. I was in their, her wedding and, um, her brother was, was, an, he's an amazing tumbler. And, um, I looked up to him like forever, you know, like that's who I learned how to tumble with. And he looked at me after I told him, he was like, Whitney, that's abuse. And I was like, no, like, I'm just not doing things right. Like, it's just my fault. I'll figure it out. Like, I, I don't know how, but I'm going to keep trying. And he was like, well, you can't just keep trying. Like at some point you've got to know that that's who you are right now. It's not who you really are. Like, I remember Whitney. I remember you from high school. I remember, I've known you since we were seven years old. Like mm-hmm. who you are right now is just not it so I, I mean I don't know what you need to do I'm here for you but like that's you you need it to figure out who you are again so I kind of started getting back to who I was and stuff and um, I don't think I went about it I, I don't I know I didn't go about all of it in the proper way I'm not saying like it was all me or I mean, it was all him I take yeah. the tango all, all the time it doesn't I don't care what it is there's always a second person involved in the situation so I am not perfect I have done wrong and I am, I hold myself accountable for what I've done wrong and I've learned from what I've done wrong and stuff. But for my journey, it, it was those instances where I felt, okay, maybe the, it opened my eyes. Okay. Maybe this is wrong. Like for me, maybe I am being treated poorly. Maybe me sleeping in a hotel chair all night because I was scared to go to my room is bad, you know? And so stuff like that, it's not good. You know, like that's, and so I started becoming more aware and stuff, but I was surrounded by people who put me in this box and they're just like constantly, well, it'll, you'll, it'll pass. Like, this is what it's about and blah, blah, blah. And finally I just couldn't take it anymore. And so I got to a point where I was crying and couldn't even get out of bed. Um, and, uh, my little sister, Brittany, my mom flew her to Dallas where I was and she just comes into the room and she's like, we're leaving, get your stuff. And let's go. And I didn't even think that going home was an option, like at all. And so I flew home. And then I was also like a month later 
on I was doing Team USA, so it was like in, in in Poland, and so all this stuff was just happening, and I was like at my lowest points, and you know, arguing on the phone and figuring out myself and making bad decisions or good decisions, just making decisions just because I felt like I could have control of things and like I wanted to do things my way for the first time in six years, and um, but yeah, I could I was major depression major depression, major, major. Um, and so she finally, like I got home and, and it took me still, like, I still am learning to deal with all of it. Like, it, I mean, I went home and I, we ended up getting a divorce, which I think was the best thing for me. Like that's mm-hmm. 100% what needed to happen. And, um, although I hate that it did and you know, it, it, it sucks it really sucks to to lose someone you loved, like for sure, and who you was your first love in general. Um, let alone you end up marrying them, and then it doesn't end mm-hmm. up. You know, you just kind of grow apart and and whatnot. So it's just you just continue to learn, and I continued to learn it and make bad mis- bad. I made mistakes, like we all make mistakes, mm-hmm. and so I just kept trying to figure out or tell myself, like, you just keep learning from them. Like what you do now, you, it's okay. Tomorrow you can make a different choice and that's okay. Like your past doesn't define you, but yeah, many, uh, moments in the closet, bawling my eyes out. And, uh, it wasn't really until I moved in with my sister, I moved back to Lexington and like, I had to, I had to quit coaching. That's when I had to quit coaching. Cause I didn't have enough money to like pay for gas to, to drive an hour and a half. Cause I, I was, you know, back in Lexington, I was coaching in Louisville and, um, it broke my heart. You know, I, even now I hate that I had to leave all those kids and stuff. And, Mm -hmm. but it was, it was necessary for me to grow. You know, sometimes you have to take major step back. Sometimes you just have to go home in order to grow. And, uh, it's a process. It's life. Life is, uh, and I, I, first of all, I appreciate you sharing this. I really do because it's, it's for me, see, you know, hearing this, you know, I can take away some of some of some of the stuff you're sharing into my life. I'm saying, hey, there is a point in life where you just are learning and learning mm-hmm. constantly, no matter yeah. what, even if it's the worst, worst part of your life. If you're still learning from it, that means you're, you're growing. Like mm-hmm. you said earlier, you know, you're growing and. And if we if we had and this is something that I'm really trying to stick it in my in my brain because, like I said, my biggest flaws is trying to be perfectionist, trying to yeah, think that same. I gotta just be perfect at every aspect in life. But you know, I'm constantly fighting that demon inside, and and the thing that I that I l- listen to you, and then I can relate is, is, you know, if life was perfect and everything was just crisp like just <laughs> diamond di- right yeah. diamond peak then you're gonna then ask yourself is life worth living at that point right if, if you, you have it all the then yeah it's like i'm a very spiritual person so it's being like a even like a follower of christ mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times when you need him the most and you grow the closer to him is when you're Mm -hmm. in your lowest points. And although that shouldn't be how it is, that's just how we're wired. You know, that's when we're we're learning is when we're in. it sucks, though, because you don't want to think that way. Sometimes you just want to say, no, 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 no. Like, this is not happening. I wish that as as an infant, we could, it is just so weird, but I wish that 
we were told, okay, this is the type of person you're going to be here. Like if we were like a little doll, like a Barbie doll, here's your Barbie that you're going to be. So you don't have to worry about anything else because this is all you know, and this is all you're going to know or see. So just live this life. But, but fortunately we are given freedom and we are given uh, creativity and we're given these, you know, obstacles and stuff to, to go through. And that's, that's why being a human is so cool is because you morph into this person of, what your decisions, what your mistakes, what your triumphs, your successes, what your family, like you're a product of all of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's like, it's just so important to be so self-aware um, of what you're doing throughout your life. Even though you don't know you need to be aware, it's always going to shape you in mm-hmm. some way, whether you learn from it or you still are dealing with it, you know, it's, it's still going to be there. Like I am always a product of my mom and dad always they made me you know like i was mm-hmm. i'm close with them they made me and their traditions become my traditions and i can decide what traditions i want to keep and what i don't want to keep but that's my decision and i still am going to be exposed to that and i think yeah having that independence and the confidence to know what you want and what you don't want and the ability to say maybe this will work and maybe it won't work is like just so important for growth because living like if we were that little Barbie doll, then we wouldn't, we'd be robots. Like that's a robot. And luckily mm-hmm. that's not the life that we live. It's just like, sometimes you think that might be a little yeah. bit easier. <laughs> and, and what you're saying now though, what you're saying now is, is a true example of what, of what, um, of what I guess a person that said to you is don't show them too much about, you know, your life or your experiences, yeah. but that's, that's the whole point. Now we're, we're sharing yes. what we learned and we're sharing what we, <laughs> what we could help and avoid for someone else to go through. Yeah, this. No connection is where real um, healing begins. Always, mm-hmm. always where it begins is connection Correct. with people. When you're alone and you, you don't use your experiences, then how can you relate? How can you empathize? How can you truly see the person for who they are if you can't relate to what they've been going through truly? And um, and I think like like how you were saying like perfectionism. I am after my college experience. I be, I've become this perfectionist that I never was before. I mm-hmm. maybe I was a little bit, but not to the extent that I gained when I was in college. But it's so scary because the perfectionism or the the perfect person. <laughs> the perfect person that I thought I was going to be was only a perspective that I saw someone else have on me. If that makes sense, like it's like you were looking through someone else's glasses at who you feel like you need to be. And I let that dictate who I became. And it's just like, that's just so, that's so sad because as humans, we don't need to put that on another person let them be who they want to be and all you can do is empathize with them show compassion for them and love them for that human whether it is what you deem as right or what you deem as wrong because to them it's always it's right or like their right or wrong is going to be different always and what you yours is and uh, I that's something that I've learned you know throughout my entire life but it's truly like as a massage therapist, I have people that come in and they share their stories with me. And it's like, I'm sitting there, you know, massaging them and I'm not there to give them an opinion. If they asked for it, then they could have it. But 
I'm not going to sit there and say, well, that's right or that's wrong. So it's really helped me develop a really good characteristic and good quality in the job and the career that I'm pursuing now, um, because I'm not going to judge anybody for what they're doing. I'm just going to let I'm, I'm going to be there for them. And mm-hmm. if, if I if they want me to hold them accountable, I'll always ask, OK, so how do you want me to respond to this? Are you just venting? Or do you really want me to help you? Because I can do both, but please just let me know beforehand. Like my sister, Tiffany, um, she's who I lived with. And she's, I mean, all of my sisters are all my best friends and stuff. It's so funny though. She and I are so different because how we express, like she'll just call me just a vent. And now, like after knowing her and living with her, I know that she just needs to vent, but she'll still call me and be like, I just need a vent. And then she just will ramble and on and on and on. And <laughs> I'm there for her, but I'm not going to judge her and tell her that she's wrong because it's not my experience to tell her that she's wrong. I'm, I'm just going to say, okay, well, here's what, you know, if our, I would say first, are you done now? Like, do you want me to talk to you? Or what do you want me to do with, you know, with this information that you've laid on me? Because I can either hold it or hold myself responsible for helping you through it, or I can just let it go. But you've got to tell me because I'm the type of person that wants to help you, you know, all the time. So it just depends. Like, I think that we need to receive things better. Also, I think as humans, we need to um, speak things better and not hold such high, not necessarily high, but unrealistic expectations that everybody's going to think the same way you do, because that's not good. You don't want everybody to think the same way that you do. And I think Mm -hmm. it's important that we see that as people. That's perfect. (laughs) Uh, That's, I really, really, oh, I think my phone's going to die. Give me one second, one second, one second, one second. Um, Let me just take this away. No, uh, you're hitting every spot. Oh, wait, here we go. I'm going to say hi right here, actually. That's fine. I don't want my phone to die. (laughs) Uh, There you go. So, yeah, no, I, there's you bring up so many good points and and that's that's the point of the podcast that was that's literally the point like it's getting the message across and getting those you know advice and really the whole the entire time you know it's been what an hour and 33 we've talked more about life than what cheerleading than cheerleading because that's what really is cheer i think that's what it truly is yes absolutely it's it's I mean, that's like why you, you, when you talk to a cheerleader, you know, they're a cheerleader because of their sport that they're in, you know, their surroundings. Or when you talk to a wrestler or football player, like everybody gains all of this knowledge and all these habits and all these like small little personality traits based on the people they're around. Mm -hmm. And so I think like, especially in cheerleading, I think that somewhere we've lost a lot of the positivity in what we do as a sport. Um, And now like we sometimes veer off to this per, or this um, trying to prove everybody, prove to everybody that we are a sport or that we are. And it's like, well, duh, we're a sport. Stop trying to prove it to everybody and live your life so you can actually have fun and enjoy the sport instead of trying to change it into what it you think it should be. Just be, you know, and I think that that is just like so important because we've lost who we are as in general, as a society, trying to become something that we're not and it we do it to each other like we are such hypocrites like we want something yet we want something else from someone else and it's Mm -hmm. like why can't we just all coexist and let each other be who they want to be which i think some i think a lot of people are veering towards that yeah it just a lot of time you just brought up another you just brought up another good good uh point that just can we just live 
life? Can we just be happy the way we like? Can we just not? You know, hurt. obviously there's going to be people that are going to hurt other people, and I and I still don't understand why people are going to be doing that. I I really don't. I really people hurting other people and they want to bring them down and and it sucks, man. It really sucks. And and, and it's think, all for their own advantage most of the time too, mm-hmm. which is like bad. And that's that's kind of how I felt like I was in the beginning of my like leadership career. Like I just wanted a good team and a good blah, 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 and make myself good. And I did, I'm sure I did hurt people along the way and I regret all of that. But like, once you learn that once you get hurt by someone like that, then your whole perspective like changes, you know, it took me getting hurt by somebody that I really looked up to or loved to realize, Oh my gosh, I've got to figure out a better way to talk to people. Mm -hmm. And my mom is the most gentle, compassionate, empathetic like genius i mean she's just so beautiful of a human and even having her as my mother i it still took me personal experiences and personal like in my journey it it took me to go through it on my own in order to actually believe it so it just just takes time whitney i've I've had a great time. I've had a great time talking. This was yeah, this has been really great. I was kind of nervous, but I'm really happy that I was like able to, you know, get things out there. And no, I wanna, don't be, I don't be nervous. So I and I will always, uh, as long as you'll have me, I'll come back and I'll do as many podcasts as you want. <laughs> yes, let's go. Okay, that, that that makes me happy. Um, and really, don't don't be nervous. It's really, and I've told everyone on the podcast because I. I used to be nervous talking about myself, talking about, you know, my flaws. And, mm-hmm. and if I didn't, if I didn't change that, you know, early on in 2022, if I didn't change that, I think I would have just stopped the podcast and everything yeah. for good. Because if I wasn't being me, then what's the point of, of doing this? Right. If it wasn't being me. Yeah, exactly. But then I realized it's, it's me. I like to be there. I still get a little shy being in front of the camera, mostly because I don't, I guess I just want other people to shine. I want other people to really yeah. get out there. And I, you know, I don't want to be that person to take that. I've never been to a guy like, you know, I don't want to be the fame. I want, I want people to know that it's more right. it's impact just, and helping it's others. Stories. Yeah. yeah. It's about stories and learning, learning that way. I, I don't, mm. I mean, I am thankful that my skill got me to a point where I was, like I'm very, I, I'm not very as much anymore, but that I'm recognized in the sport for what I've done. But I don't think that I've ever really talked about my personal life in this manner. So I'm very thankful for you. So thank you so much for having me be a part of this. And uh, although it is kind of intimidating for someone who is always talking about their skill and who's coaching to talk finally about like their personal life and their their fails and their triumphs, like it is very intimidating. But once you do it, it's very refreshing. I feel like I probably needed this just as much as anybody. So, Hey, Winnie, you're always welcome on the podcast. And everyone listening, hope you enjoyed this one because this one was, again, by far my favorite one because clearly we went over an hour and 38. That's probably a new record, yeah. I think. <laughs> so, I <love> that. <laughs> and it went by fast. I think I felt like it was like 10 minutes. That was great. I hope everybody enjoys listening and if they take something away from it, then let me know. Perfect. Guys, um, thank you so much for listening. And uh, if you guys enjoy the podcast, make sure to subscribe. Make sure you tell your friends. Maybe tell your grandma or tell your neighbors. Why not? Huh? It's Christmas. Almost. Might as well. Yeah, let's go. Um, yeah, that's. I think that's about it. Uh, Winnie, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Yeah.
I'm happy to do it. Thanks for Perfect. having me. All right, guys. And I'll talk to you guys later. Peace.